didn't react until Spates missed the three. Mm-hmm. Like until the three clearly didn't. Co- I wanted to be like, there's no one. Spates got the rebound and started dribbling out to the three point line. They won the game, right? Because no one's gonna foul him, right? So it's okay. To start celebrating. Like yeah. I don't know if that's is that a sign of somebody who's truly from Cleveland and does not like cannot accept the moment until it officially happens, or is that just somebody who's just not in the moment. They're just not kind of analyzing what's well, happening. I can say that I did not. Well, I didn't really celebrate at all to begin with, but I did not feel the relief of victory until the actual time ran out. I mean, I knew as soon as they got the ball with 10 seconds left, there was a very small chance that the Warriors would win. But the relief of the game being over did not actually settle in until the game was literally over until the clock ran out just because it's like, even though there's a small chance, like, you know, crazy things can happen. Yeah. But I, for me, I think my feelings started to turn when with like two minutes left, Curry just literally, he Curry might as well have turned around at the half court line, closed his eyes and just threw it behind his head. I Mm -hmm. mean, those are kind of the shots he started yeah. to take. And I was like, when, when those weren't going in, I was like, oh, they're going to lose. Mm-hmm. Because the Warriors live and die, not just on the three-pointer, but on Curry being eight feet from the line. On 20 seconds into the, or four seconds into the shot clock. Into the shot clock, three-pointers. Three yeah. Like, if they're hitting those, he and Clay Thompson, then it's over. But yeah. when they weren't, and there was like two minutes left, I was like, oh, the Cavs at least have a chance. Now, the Cavs went on a drought of like two minutes. Well, they both did. Yeah, exactly. They were matching the Warriors with their right. drought. Um, but the fact that the Warriors couldn't get anything going made me feel. Yeah, that was my only problem with the game is I've, it was a good game. It was, it, was, it was a close game. It was not a good basketball game. Because the last four and a half minutes, nobody scored. Yeah. Nobody scored. Either team. In, until Irving hit the three-pointer. And so, and that's still tense to watch. Like, exactly. That's still, that's still fun to watch. But, I, but it would have been much funner if it was like the, um, was it Villanova and Duke? Or Villanova and North Carolina in mm-hmm. the Final Four this year? Mm-hmm. Where it was... Here's the last 30 seconds, the, and we're just mm-hmm, exchanging 30s, shots. Yeah. I wish it would have gone back and forth more instead of it just being deadlocked at 89 well, for four and a half minutes. Well, see, that's the thing. <laughs> I feel like, you know, in films, you get to a point where you have to start subverting expectation to get people interested in your story. Yeah. And this was like a subversion. I mean, this was tension through non-scoring. Yeah. That yeah. In, in and of itself was like nerve-wracking. Um. It made me, and this is something else that's interesting, is like in the age of DVR, mm-hmm. I like having a buffer, but I'm so tempted if I have a buffer to just fast forward. Like, mm-hmm. I may have fast forwarded some of those last three minutes just to see a bucket happen. So you didn't watch the game live? I did watch it live. I always catch up. Uh-huh. But I found myself like unconsciously reaching for the remote and wanting to push forward because uh-huh. the tension's too much. Like, it's just so interesting that in the age of DVR, we have the op- option to like control the attention in sports games, which is yeah. kind of the reason to watch. 
you know, right. which is the which is the reason why you should only watch sports games live. See, I don't I don't agree with that. Yeah, I usually will record and watch something else until halftime mm-hmm. because I cannot take those Kobe Bryant in that Dwayne Wade commercial where he's shooting shots in the Antarctic. But I, the frozen I still basketball. think, and this was brought up, I can't remember what this was brought up on, but it was brought up on a television podcast or a television interview or something to where, sure, those commercial breaks are, ter- are filled with terrible commercials, but you're also like... Processing It's also seen. processing things. It's also building the suspense mm-hmm. of the game. And by eliminating those commercials, you are eliminating some of that suspense. But I like getting caught up in the for the fourth quarter which is normally what happens i will speed through the commercials and stuff in the first half blow through halftime don't care yeah and i don't then, watch halftime right and then third quarter is normally where i start catching getting caught up mm-hmm. and then by the end of the third beginning of the fourth i'm i'm live that doesn't sit right with me but i'll move on okay uh I want to say I want I want to say one thing as a neutral basketball fan. I do not root for any team in particular. I feel like the Cavs winning is better for the league than the Warriors winning. I agree. Because if the Warriors win, it's all of a sudden it's how do we stop these guys? And it's you're going to be watching the Warriors win for the next 3 or 4 years and it's just going to get kind of boring. Whereas I'm I'm whereas I'm not very confident that the Cavs will win again next year just because I think they probably shouldn't have won this year. Right. <laughs> I'm glad they did, but it just, it just seems like the, it's more up in the air now. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask, and this is a little bit of a hot takey sports radio question. Which team do you think is better? The 95, 96 bulls who the warriors, uh, who, who, who held the record for the uh, most, most winningest regular season that the mm-hmm. Warriors broke this year, but the Bulls also won the championship that year, mm-hmm. or the Warriors, who have the record, regular season record, for wins and losses, but didn't win the championship. I mean, it depends on how you evaluate it, but my gut is telling me the Bulls. Yeah. Um, and I think it's because, like what we said before, mm-hmm. the Warriors... Here's the thing. The Warriors didn't not win a championship. The Warriors blew a 3-1 right. lead in the championship, yeah. right? So you have the epitome of the downfall of their game plan, right? Mm-hmm. Which is Draymond Green gets injured or is out of game. He gets suspended because he's always trying to hit someone in the nuts. Yeah. So he, so he gets suspended or injured or whatever. Then the whole team goes down by a complete like degree. Like it's not just a minor. Like oh, we'll plug in Verjao or right. you know what I mean. Like there's there's no one to replace that. And then conversely, if Steph Curry is off even by a little, like his game does not leave a lot of room, uh, a lot of room for error. Then they're not going to win, or right. they're at least going to be defeatable. The Bulls, though, I mean, you have. People who are playing high at different elements of the game. I guess that's one question that you were one reason why the Cavs won. Because you have like Thompson, 
mm-hmm. who's like doing the grunt work. Mm-hmm. You have James, who's kind of the all-around player, getting triple doubles, you know, almost every game. You have Irving, who is the kind of like streaky when he's on. He's super on. He can right. be a superstar. They have J.R. Smith, who's a complete role player, right. you know, yeah. uh, if that. But, you know, I think that you had these people operating different facets of the game, and it, uh, and it just proved too big of a force to combat. And the Bulls, I think, represent more of that play, which is more stable than the unstable Warriors. That's yeah. my off-the-top hot take. Yeah. The, what about the, you? The, the thing about Steph is, like you said, He's if he's not hitting those three pointers, he's not as he just not, not as he, he he's not just not doing anything for your team. He's he's hurting your team because right. he's bad defensively. Um, and he's also if he's not hitting his threes, he's chucking up threes that are missing. Mm-hmm. Like I said, four or five seconds into the shot clock, so that can be a real momentum swing. But unlike James, where it's like okay, maybe LeBron's not having a great scoring night but he's still one of the best defenders on the floor. He's still uh, finding open teammates. He's still getting rebounds. Mm-hmm. He's still getting steals. Let, let me, uh, here's my ignorance. 94, 95 Bulls. Was 95, Rodman, 96. 95, 90, was Rodman on the team? I think so. Yeah, I th- okay. Imagine a Rodman-esque player on the mm-hmm. Warriors, and you have an unstoppable team. If you have somebody who's going to track down Steph Curry's misses right. and give them another shot at it, forget it. Yeah. And this is why I would, I would side with the Bulls. Not just the championship. I think the championship is, is enough reason alone. I think you just have to win the championship. It's a great record to hold, but like the only reason you are uh, attempting that record is so you can win the championship. Mm-hmm. You don't win the championship, it's kind of meaningless. But to me, it seems like what the Warriors have done over the past couple seasons is more of, I don't want to say a gimmick because it's been two years. It feels a little bit like an exploit and it feels like they were finally found out, right? And it just, it didn't work in the moment where it was most important for mm-hmm. it to work. And I think what we'll be seeing next season is people will all of a sudden know how to defend the Warriors. Not, not, and, and that's not to mention like the salary cap stuff. Like Steph Curry is the fifth highest paid player on that team. Mm-hmm. So eventually kind of like the um, Seahawks, the year they won the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. they're all, they're going to start have to paying all these people mm-hmm. and they're going to be losing a lot of people. But to go back to the Bulls, the, the reason the Bulls is so much more impressive is because they were not, playing a different style of basketball than everyone else. They did not introduce this out of nowhere style of basketball. They just physically dominated everybody they played. And that to me is is more impressive than one extra loss or one extra win Mm -hmm. and uh, no championship. But overall I thought I I was glad the final game was close. Like I said, I wish it would have gone back and forth a little bit more, but there was still a ton of stuff in those final four mm-hmm. and a half minutes that was crazy like LeBron's block and just everything oh man block
Michael Jackson stuff that came out today? Yep. Did you look it up after I said something, or did yeah. you start seeing it in the wild? No, I looked it up. It's weird how kind of spotty the coverage. Yeah, that's has what been. I was, that's what I was going to bring. That's one of the aspects I wanted to talk about. But I only saw I saw one headline like early this morning, and that was it. I didn't see anything else for the rest. I of the went day. on the Atlantic. Which yeah, I, and they had nothing. And I searched Reddit. I didn't see anything on Reddit. I didn't see any people talking about it on Reddit. But this story that came out was basically that somehow the police reports from the raid that the police did on Neverland Ranch in 2003, in 2003 where when he was uh, on charges of child molestation were leaked or came out. Um, I think it was some website said that they got in contact with the police and the police are saying they don't know how the documents got out. So they weren't like, they weren't officially released. So I'm not sure how valid they are to begin with mm-hmm. um, or where they're coming from. And maybe that's why yeah. the coverage is spotty. But I thought uh, we could talk about it because this, this idea of what do we hold our celebrities sort of accountable for and like, how does that affect what we consume Mm -hmm. is something that we've it's kind of uh an evergreen topic for us right it's something that comes up every now and then kind of unfortunately usually because a celebrity has done something really nasty yep um so anyways this these reports are released and it's detailing like uh or sort of uh the police found a bunch of child pornography at his house a bunch of like um uh, photoshopped kids on mm-hmm. adult stuff, a bunch of apparently like animal torture pictures. Mm-hmm. And then from the, and, and from what I read, uh, I didn't read the whole thing, honestly, because after a certain point, I was just like, it's brutal. It, yeah. It's I've read, I, I can't take any more of this, mm-hmm. but from what I understand is, is the idea is that those materials are used to desensitize, right? Yep. Children. Um, so anyways, besides the point, and it's kind of besides the point, uh, the legitimacy of it. So how do you approach, I guess we can say my, I don't think either of us are huge fans of Michael Jackson. Yeah. Um, I'm familiar with his music. I did not listen to it growing up. I was never a huge fan of any of his music. So this is not something I have to reckon with, with Michael Jackson. But for example, somebody like Woody Allen where his accusations are, are a little bit more nebulous. You're not really sure what's true, what isn't true. There's a lot of back and forth. And yet he's still making movies. Um, you're a huge fan of Woody Allen's movies. Mm-hmm. So how do you reconcile with this stuff? Yeah, so I, I think starting off, what, what I don't like is when people don't start off acknowledging their bias, right? So yeah. there's absolutely a part of me that watches Woody Allen because I enjoy Woody Allen movies. Right. You know, and so I think some people try and cover it up with, you know, these kind of half thought or half felt explanations trying to excuse, you know, certain actions and Mm -hmm. stuff. I just say like, yeah, Roman Polanski, like I like Roman Polanski films. Right. You know, I like Woody Allen films. And there's, there's an aspect of that that I think is in play that we can try and maybe dig into a little bit, but mainly it's a bias that, that I'm already, that's already present that is not there with somebody like 
you know, even Bill Cosby to an extent or yeah. Michael Jackson, where I find it easier to cut them off mm -hmm. and harder to cut off the people that are close to me. And of course it's vice versa for somebody else who doesn't care about Woody Allen and right. feels like it's easier to be like, no, he's a, you know, he's a, uh, he molested a child, you mm -hmm. know, I'm done with him. Now, beyond that, I think, I also think it's kind of bogus when people say, ultimately, it's just up to you to set your own response to this stuff. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like it kind of, it leaves too many open doors, right? That we're just not, aren't we able to be like, R. Kelly should not be supported. Mm -hmm. You know, period. Full stop. Yeah. Because in your support of him, you're validating his behavior. His behavior is predatory. Right. You know? Um, I think that's how some people maybe try and push a little further. And I, I don't buy, like with Woody Allen, what, what defense could we make, right? Number one, that it's nebulous, right? The charges have never been proven. Right. Um, if you dig down into your heart, Woody Allen does not seem like the type of character who's like, I'd be shocked to find out. I mean, this is a guy who married his adopted daughter, even right. though she was really right. Mia Farrow's adopted daughter uh -huh. and then brought into his household. But he still, you know, did that. And that's, right. That's grimy no matter how you look at it. Yeah, there's no, there's no yeah. excuse, you know. Um, so number one, it's nebulous. Number two, you, you see like the time elapse issue more with Polanski but the idea of like oh the injured parties have now had time to like recover like how many times have you heard people say like oh the the woman would not want to press charges and she too feels like you know enough time has elapsed to let Polanski back in the country mm -hmm. like that's used as a justification you know and I don't buy that like I don't buy the time argument I don't buy the specifically the Woody Allen, like this is out of character. I could see that happening to Woody or Woody Allen doing that. Mm -hmm. But then why do I still support him and refuse to support somebody like R. Kelly? Mm -hmm. That's, that's tough. And that's something that I think if I look too closely at, I will get disgusted with myself. <laughs> I, I think it honestly, I think it comes from, I think a lot of it comes from when you are introduced to that person. That's absolutely true. And so by the time all this Woody Allen stuff heats up or s starts getting a lot of public attention, and I mean, admittedly, Woody Allen's a bit of a, a special case, I guess, because I'm, I'm imagining at one point it was a you know, huge part of the news cycle, but nothing really comes of it, so it dies down for a long time. And in that lull or in that valley, a ton of people are watching Woody Allen films for the very first time. And then all of a sudden you've got 10 years of experience with Woody Allen films and, you know, and these connections you've made with the films mm -hmm. and all of a sudden this stuff starts rising up again. And then I, I could see how it's hard to just all of a sudden disassociate that stuff that was very meaningful for somebody because of this potentially unfounded, uh, rumor or whatever it is, uh, you know, for for me, I, I don't have it. I've, I haven't seen any of Woody Allen's films. I saw, mm -hmm. I saw a match point. It's <laughs> the only Woody Allen film I've seen. Yeah. So for me, it's not a big deal with the, the R Kelly thing. I was not a huge fan of R Kelly, but I thought his music was fun and funny. Mm -hmm. 
And then I think it was that Jim, I think his name's Jim Deer Goddess, yeah. who's been more or less an advocate against Kelly for ever since this started because mm-hmm. he was a reporter in Chicago who covered the story, interviewed all these women. And then he wrote something a, a long time ago or a couple years ago, however many years ago, detailing it all again when Kelly was having a bit of a resurgence. And as soon as I read that, I was just kind of like, I can't, like, I'm not going right. to listen to this guy anymore. And I just haven't since then. And it was kind of a big deal at the time, but I feel like it's died down a little bit and he's still kind of more or less accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think I'm, uh, it's, it's, uh, I'm, a, I'm a little, uh, it's easy to sort of step aside from me because I can't think of any one artist that's really had a huge controversy that I just in inseparable from you know what i mean mm-hmm. like if it came out that bob dylan was some sort of child molester would i not be able to listen to his music anymore or would i not still at least want to listen to his mm-hmm. old music that held a certain place in my life where those accusations didn't exist right i don't yeah. know well and here's the other thing are we talking about artists who have not paid for their sins so, if you look at Polanski or Woody Allen, what if they were convicted, served 10, 15 years in jail, and then came out of it and were, you know, kind of trying to rehabilitate their their image? Like, would that be more acceptable? Like, what if Woody Allen or Roman Polanski were registered sex offenders? For me, the because of the nature of the crime, I just wouldn't be able to. Like the first example I think of is Michael Vick. I love dogs. I've lived with dogs all my life. I've had a dog all my life. I've had dogs all my life. Huge fan of dogs, right? Mm-hmm. I was disgusted by what he did. Really gross. But as I sort of grew up and mature and, and you read more about the situation and it's kind of like a you know, this is the life that he came right. from. Mm-hmm. Not that doesn't excuse it, but that's what his background was. He served his time. He's shown himself to be completely remorseful, and I believe him in his remorse. So I have no issues with Michael Vick. You know what I'm saying? That's the closest one I can think of with with the with kids stuff. The other thing um, that that just reminded me of, I think it was. Did you listen to the last criminal podcast? Yes. Where she interviewed the lawyer. Yes. And he's, and it was a, it was a great interview and it was a great episode. And I really found a lot of the stuff he was saying to be, you know, inspirational and sort of like a revelation, how he was looking at the criminal justice system and, and, and criminals. But the entire time I'm listening to it, I'm like, I'm on board with this guy's message except for when it comes to like pedophiles. Mm -hmm. Like I just like for some reason that is it's that, that crime is a bridge too far. It's a, yeah, I just can't deal with it. I I cannot justify that. You, Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I can justify as terrible as it is, you know, murdering somebody like, I could justify the redemption of the person who committed that act. I just cannot justify the redemption of 
a pedophile. Mm-hmm. I I just can't do it. Right. Well, what I find is if, as an interesting thought experiment, like you bring up Bob Dylan, like what if Bernie Madoff started releasing the most amazing country music <laughs> out of whatever prison he's in, uh-huh. right? These kind of underground cassettes that are coming out and he's just, it's just amazing stuff. Like he built millions from people. He destroyed mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. but his crime seems to be like on the level of forgivable mm-hmm. you know but why because it seems like if you think about if you think about like i'm with you pedophilia in any case right mm-hmm. whether it's one case right that some people like polanski like it was one person or woody allen potentially one per but again mm-hmm. another family member which again does not seem like a bridge too far but it hasn't been proven. Mm-hmm. Um, well, with Polanski, it has. That's why he no, no, hasn't exa- come back to the United States. Right, right. And with Polanski, it has. And so, you know, even that one, even though it's just one specific instance, mm-hmm. that doesn't make any better than if it was a serial case, right? Like, uh, like, uh, oh, you, you know, remember what's his name from uh, Deadwood, the reporter in Deadwood? He was in Ravenous. He played a oh, dad yeah, he's in a in bunch Ferris of Bueller's Stay Off. Man, I love that mm-hmm. guy, and he's like uh, got with mm-hmm. uh, child porn, and he's like out done. People yeah. erased his name from their memories, but Polanski's being fought for. He's having whole documentaries made about right. him. And is it just because it's one? It's one instance, and people feel like oh, one instance is well. I think some of that too probably comes from the life that Polanski had. Like the Manson murders, his wife being murdered, like so, like he's allowed not to one. justify it, but like <laughs> I, that's not to justify. It. I'm just saying, like it, it's a lot. His story is a lot more complicated than, hey, I'm just a dirtbag actor who likes to, you know, diddle with kids. Like I, I'm not saying it justifies it or it, or it makes it any uh, better, but I think he he can garner more sympathy because of it than the guy from mom and dad save the world. So, yeah. So, so here we have, all right. So, so I think we agree that pedophilia is of another order, right? If you're an artist, not just accused, but convicted of pedophilia that you have, that, that we feel like it's, it's hard to support you as an artist from that point forward. What about NWA? What about, did you see straight out Compton? No. Now, were you a fan of NWA? I know that you, you no. and I grew up on Mm-mm. rap music. No? Nope. Um, <clears throat> so one of the big arguments when the film came out. I'm a white kid from the suburbs. NWA was scary to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> scary so, in a way that Wu-Tang wasn't for some reason. Right. So, um, so NWA, you know, the, it kind of came out when the film, when their film came out which is a complete lionization of them Mm -hmm. that many of them have issues with beating women. Right. Dr. Dre in particular. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but you have people like James Brown, you know, who has a nightmarish history or Mm -hmm. Miles Davis, John Lennon, John Lennon, right? Mm -hmm. Um, This one seems a little more based on 
how good the artist is, right? Does yeah. it, mm-hmm. it? It kind of, when it comes to whether it's misogyny or um, abuse, it seems like, or even Adrian Peterson, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it becomes about now let's look at this person's output. Right. Is it equivalent? And I feel like resoundingly for NWA, the culture said, you guys are good. We've heard the complaints. You know, we're all going to watch this movie. Right. Everyone's going to love it. It's not really going to be a big deal that you guys covered all your abuse issues that some of them are pretty recent. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the culture is going to continue. But then there are people who are like disposable, like pup politicians, I yeah. feel like. And it's just funny because there are some people who I think get so bent out of shape about politicians' misbehavior. When it comes to like artists, it's like a totally different standard. Mm-hmm. And is it because a politician's output is sometimes moral and ethically based? Yeah. Whereas an artist is just more on like... Sure. No, they're making me feel good, so I don't care, because I don't care about them. Right. I just care about myself. Well, it's, it's, you know? I think, too, with NWA, like, their output was aggressive. Their output was violent. So, you know, aggressive, violent behavior yeah, from Justin, them in their personal lives is not that surprising. Justin, you're connecting art with real life. <laughs> you can't do that. But I'm saying, I think that's why There's, it gets justified. That's why, I mean, it's obviously more... Uh, it's more of an issue when a politician does it because politicians more or less are telling you are dictating how we are supposed to live. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. they are the ones creating the rules that and the laws that we have to live by. Right. Like you think about Elliot Spitzer and Anthony uh, Weiner, Anthony Weiner. And you have these people who are just run out on rails, but wouldn't you put the equivalent? I mean, I mean, they didn't even beat people. Mm-hmm. They just kind of had some um, interaction with prostitutes and yeah. exposing themselves and some sexual harassment. But uh, it's no spousal abuse, like you know, or um, right. And and it's interesting. You you watch OJ Made in America? Yeah, we've watched the. I haven't watched the last one yet. What I find interesting is how they're they're placing his psyche number one in a very specific place Mm -hmm. and they're also putting the culture up against that as a hero that people want to believe in that completely overlook all the signs i mean it wasn't just like one attack on nicole it was multiple of spousal abuse yeah they show all those multiple pictures of the times that that she called the cops and was photographed Mm -hmm. having been abused um, but the culture looked past that because he was a symbol at that point. You know, he mm-hmm. was a symbol for black people. He was also a symbol for white people who want to, you know, gloss over their own racism. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm friends with OJ and he's like us and I don't see color because he's playing the game, you know, like we want him to. Mm-hmm. Um, that I find that 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 there's always so many more facets involved with culture accepting a artist and overlooking his flaws. Like again, like we did for um, Michael, like if this is true, how did this stuff stay hidden for 10 years, over 10 years? Yeah, that was the other question I had 
if they if if they had found this stuff in his house, even though he was being tried for child molestation stuff, why couldn't they just arrest him for owning child pornography? Now the police department they know about this leak and they did not come out and deny the evidence, right? right? From what I read, they just said, we don't know how this got leaked right. because we didn't release it. Right, but they They're didn't say... They're not from us, basically. Right, but they didn't say, this does not exist. Right, yeah. So, you know, so I don't know how stuff like that... It's That's a calculus that I, that I don't understand, how mm-hmm. the culture can weigh and, and evaluate Polanski and Woody Allen and say, okay... And how they can look at politicians and universally say boo whenever they do. Well, that's not true. We, get, we have a lot of corrupt politicians out there right. still, still operating. But then how they can look at somebody else and be like, you're disposable. Get out of here. You know, one strike and you're out. I'm trying to think about a good example. I wish I had one off the top of my head of like an artist who got run out just based on, well, one issue is kind of... um is it? It's not Azealia Banks, is it? Yeah, the rapper Iggy, Iggy Azalea. Azealia Azealia Banks is the black woman rapper who got banned from Twitter for calling somebody the N word, I think. Mm-hmm. And Iggy Azalea is the white woman rapper from Australia who's, who's terrible and trying right. to appropriate black culture in yes. a very inappropriate way, right? right? Yeah, and she has been resoundly drummed out into nothingness right yeah more or less i think she's still on the fringes but she's She's, on her way she's on her way out i just find it that like you you know there are if you think about sins there are far greater sins than what iggy azalea has committed yeah but i think she's being drummed out because people are realizing she's terrible yeah she's terrible not just because she's like a empty empty headed like like the epitome of cultural appropriation as much as a bullshit term as i think that is but she's just as like she's just bad and i think people are finally realizing she's bad yeah i mean getting back to me i mean you know for me it's film and how do you the one question i have for you is where do you draw the line on either legacy, like you said, like Bob Dylan Mm -hmm. of like, let's say, you know, right now, Michael Jackson is dead. So what if all of a sudden a treasure trove of material was unearthed about Alfred Hitchcock that proves that, and he had women issues. Mm -hmm. He, He actually is maybe the best example. What if it was revealed that he had a very twisted relationship with women that was violent, Mm -hmm. you know? How do you handle someone like that versus somebody like Woody Allen, who's still at work today? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't have a history with Hitchcock. I've seen a handful of his movies, maybe. But I think, I think, like I said, I haven't had to really, that I can think of, come to terms with something like that. Because with, with Woody Allen, I haven't seen any of his movies. But what I can say is, at this point... I know I will not be able to watch any of his movies without thinking this guy is at best a total creep and at worst a child molester. I just won't be able to get past that watching the movie. So 
it had, but it hasn't ruined anything for me because I hadn't seen any of his yes, movies. And, and for me, when I was literally, I'm not joking. When I was 10 years old, I remember watching a Woody Allen movie on TV mm-hmm. and being like, this is what adulthood is like. Mm-hmm. This looks amazing. This is what I want. This is what I want it to be. Mm-hmm. I want to have dinner parties. I want to talk philosophy. I want to, you know, live in New York City. Mm-hmm. And then I get to be an adult and I'm like, it's, <laughs> it's not like that at all, you know? <laughs> right. But I grew up as a young age. Like, it's like that if you have millions of dollars. Exactly. Yeah. I grew up idolizing that image yeah. of adulthood. So Woody Allen actually is really important to me. You know, like I remember watching Manhattan way too young, but totally connecting with that vision of the future and of mm-hmm. adulthood and all that. So for me, it's hard. And, and Hitchcock, you know, I deeply identify with Hitchcock. And, uh, and I don't know how to, but, but, but I think you're right that you have to go back to the roots of when that art, not the artist, but when the art kind of meant something to you. And the art will always be viable because of that place, not because of the artist. Mm-hmm. You know, the artist can never make a good film or write a good book or make a good album again. Sometimes it's just a song. It doesn't matter because you'll always have that song, that album, that film to go back to. And in some ways, it's disconnected from the artist. So, like, the Cosby show meant a lot to a lot of people. In some ways, I think it's bigger than Cosby himself. And I don't think that you have to put the Cosby show, like, throw it in the ocean for no one to ever watch again because of Cosby. Just because Bill Cosby is a serial rapist. (laughs) Yeah, because he's a serial rapist. Because, Uh well, I think there's something to that, right? Because if you go back, I mean, look, how how far back and how deep do you want to go? Because... Some of the greatest artwork that, ar- that, that survived to this day was done by horrible people. Sure. You know? And some of the things that we, you know, places we live in, places we visit, were designed and built by the most horrific of people. Well, yeah, I think that's the question. With the, does, I mean, trying to put aside the hypocrisy of, Bill Cosby using the Cosby show to uh, set a, a good example of a black family for America. The hypocrisy of that while at the same time him being a rapist. Does his actions negate the message of the show mm-hmm. or does it n- sort of negate the impact it had on the culture do you have to take that stuff back is it meaningless all of a sudden because the the deliverer was actually a terrible terrible person yeah i don't think so does it make a difference that let's say take the example of hitchcock and woody allen does it make a difference that hitchcock is dead and woody allen is still alive i can go back Anybody, somebody could go back and watch all of Hitchcock's films and throughout the course of that time sort of learn more about Hitchcock, see that, oh, he was a terrible person. He was not, he didn't treat women correctly or whatever. He just had, he just had a, a seedy 
uh, element to his life or whatever. Uh, does it make it, does, does that, is it easier to separate that from the movies than it is Woody Allen from his movies simply because he's, he's still alive and still right. making movies? Yeah. And that's, that's, you, you nailed it. That's what I was trying to get at, I guess, with the comparison to, to Hitchcock and, and Allen. I listened to a podcast called you, you must remember this and yeah. you, you listened to the Marilyn Manson episode. Yeah. What's so interesting is Charles Manson. Right. What did I say? Marilyn Manson. Did I say Marilyn Manson? <laughs> Oof. Um, so anyway, one thing that I find illuminating and interesting is that, you know, a lot of old Hollywood was filled with, you know, perverts and yeah. misogynists and I would say Hollywood is probably still filled with those people. Well, yeah. Remember what Elijah Wood said? That's and then, what I was going to ask. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then retracted. He was like, oh, no, there's not that well, many. Well, he didn't retract it. He just said that it was taken sort of out of context. Right. Well, I mean, look, you know, Larry David, there's that photographer that, um, what's the, what's the deal with Larry David? Oh, you know, Larry, no, wait, Larry Clark. I'm sorry. Who's Larry Clark? Director of kids. Oh, well, come on. Right. Yeah. That's not a surprise. All you have to do is watch kids Kids. to know that guy's something's wrong with that guy. Exactly. So anyway, um, yeah, you, you, you have these people, I think, I think, or, you know, look at Steve Jobs right? Like terrible yeah. person. I think that in the creation of art, there's a turning over that happens. I think the Coen brothers really, you know, kind of, um, I think that they do really, really well, which is basically they create something, they release it and they walk away from it. Right. They don't comment on it. They don't do director's commentaries. They don't give endless interviews about it, explaining it. Mm -hmm. And it's this kind of turning over, like, this is what we created. We're releasing it into the culture. Now you guys take it, have it, reject it, ingest it, diagram it, um, tear it apart, whatever. And I think that that is a necessary relationship that needs to happen between the artists and the art that they create. And I don't think that we need to expect that the art always reflect the artist, right? Like if somebody wants to write a story about what it what it's like to adopt a child and they've never adopted a child, like write your story. Maybe mm-hmm. it's good. I don't know. Right. Like I don't expect you to have lived what you write or what you make. And there's like JD Salinger, right. Who has a very troubled personality, mm-hmm. but I love his, his stories. That I think that that exchange happens with the art and the artist, regardless of what the who the artist is or what they did. Then I think it's up to us to filter through that person, and I think that we can still evaluate the art in light of the person. It just takes a little more work, but I think that we can still do that. You know, we can still say Woody Allen is this type of person. Now this film. Separate of that is saying these things. And this is what I think about those things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make, you know, I think that's how I try it to makes, approach it. No, it makes sense. I am just, I just can't separate those things. See, I, well, so do you feel the need? Like, I don't feel the need to justify Woody Allen in order to show somebody Annie Hall. Do, do you, would you feel the need to? Yes. 
to to justify JD Salinger to somebody before you suggest they read nine stories? I'm not or catch well, her. I mean, J, JD Salinger was a woman beater. I'm not as familiar with no, his. Yeah, he he was there, abusive. There, there's a book written by his. Oh, that's right. By his. That's right. Ex-wife. He also had little kid things, right? Well, and some of that is evident in some of his writing, or it's it, at least it's what um, Seymour struggled with. Right. Uh, no, not so much just because I don't know as much about it, and so so is ignorance the best policy. I mean, what if I just. If I just never study anybody, I'm just like, I just enjoy the art. I don't read anything about them. So, I mean, not if you're being willful about it. I'm not like plugging my ears and avoiding JD Salinger you are right controversy. Now. Here I am. But I'm just saying, I don't know much about it. I don't know. I don't know much about it. Well, but now I, that you know it exists, you need to go look it up. Sure. Now it's on you. Uh, okay. I will look it up. The uh, A good example I can think of is the singer from Surfer Blood. Yeah. They released that first album, which was really good. Now, obviously, I don't think it would have been an album that I would have played continuously for the rest of my life. But as soon as it came out that he beat up his girlfriend a bunch of times, or even once, I just couldn't listen to it anymore. And it wasn't even like a... It wasn't like a, I don't want to listen to this. It was, I want to listen to this. <laughs> but as soon as I started listening to it, I could not help but think about this guy who, was, who beats up his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. It just was like, I just can't do it anymore. Yeah. I think that's fine. I think that's where it does get subjective. You know, for me, I think, I think that I can separate and bifurcate the, the art. Yeah. Artist. 